welcome back to the Very Morathon. My name is Taylor. And my name is Patrick. And I have a question for you, Taylor. Ask away, Patrick. Have you ever wanted to be a cowgirl? I don't think so. Um, I'm I'm too material girl for that. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want like horses. Sure, they're cute. Well, then they have flies on them. And like I love a little cow. I love driving past them in my air conditioned vehicle and going cow. But I don't want to s- their manure. Like I don't think the cowgirl life is for me. The cute cute outfits though cute. Maybe for a costume, but not not an actual cowgirl. Like, never when you were a kid, you, like, you know, you played shoot 'em up and, you know, at six you wanted to be a cowgirl? Mm, no, I don't think so. I was imagining that I was, like, a princess or, like, an heiress or, like, a socialite when I was six years old. I always had my eye on the prize in a much different way. Sounds like it. I ask this week, uh, because this week's movie is Bad Girls from 1994. It is a Western Drew is one of four women, one of the four titular bad girls. By the way, welcome to the Drew Barrymore-thon. This is the show where we're watching every single Drew Barrymore Barrymore movie charting film history through her filmography. And listen, it's the 90s, and westerns are back, baby. It is the wild, wild west in the '90s in terms of genre. I mean, we we're genre sampling over here. I mean, there's a little bit of everything. And westerns just like had this like comeback in the early '90s. You know, Clint was like, "I'm gonna make one more," and you know, they had the um, the Young Guns, and you know, all throughout the '90s. I mean, Sam Raimi made a great western in the '90s. I liked the Magnificent Seven show that aired in the 90s. It was just like, we're going to make Westerns again after they hadn't for like 15, 20 years. Okay, I'm glad that you brought up the Magnificent Seven. Okay. So. This is not your Magnificent Seven, by the way. What? There's a, I'm talking about the one from the 90s. No, I know. But now I have to tell my story. All right. So you opened a can of worms. Um, one time. I was home for the summer, single girl life, okay, before I met Patrick, and I had been talking to this guy that, like, I met on Tinder the summer before, and we were always just kind of texted, we went to different schools, um, and um, the summer came around, he was like, let me take you on a date, let me take you on a date, let me take you on a date, and I was like, all right, I'll throw him a bone, and um, I was like, love the initiative. And normally, like, guys that I had gone out with, not that I had been out out on many dates that weren't with, like, existing boyfriends. Like, I I didn't do much, like, just dating because, I don't know, I just didn't. Um, But the dates that I had been on, they were always, like, it was always, like, pulling teeth. It was, like, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. Do you want to go get dinner? Sure. Where do you want to go? I don't know where you want. It was just, like, horrible, right? Like, we know the vibes. Um, well, he was very different. He was very, like, he was like, um, I want to take you out. We're going to the movies. The movie is a surprise. And, um, we're going to have a blast. And I was like, okay, initiative. Like, like, go off. Um, he picks me up. And I was like, well, can you at least, like, he he, can you at least tell me what we're going to go see? Um, and he was like, no, 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 it's a surprise. And I was like, well, can you he he tell me what genre it is? And he was like, it's a Western. And I could not hide my disappointment on my face. I was like, huh? 
you you you're whining and dining me and taking me to a western and it ended up being the magnificent seven which i know is not like in hindsight is not like a western western like it's i mean yeah it is i mean it is but it's also like in pop culture and like a in a in a way that i feel like isn't I don't know, isn't it? Like, well, the Magnificent Seven. Pratt in it. Well, yeah, well, that's it's obviously very modern, but also the Magnificent Seven has been like, you know, it, it comes from a samurai film, Seven Samurai. It's been parodied. We did a recent episode of Why Two Kids. Actually, we didn't do it. It's we banked it. But A Bug's Life is um, the Magnificent Seven with bugs. You know, it is. Yes. Hmm. Interesting. Um, but I remember. <laughs> it's a good movie no it is a good movie but i remember sitting there seething and like i would never want to be objectified by by a man you know like i would never want a guy to take me to the movies just to make out with me that's disgusting but i remember he was like gripped by this movie like it's a he, good movie like he was like he would not say and i was like can we make out or something like i'll do anything i was like i was just like seething mad i felt i was just like so angry um and yeah, I just remember, like, not being into the movie, like, at all, because I was just, like, I was, like, surely he didn't want to just bring me to a Western. Like, surely he brought me here to, like, make out or something. So, like, I was anxious about that. Like, is he gonna try? No, no. Homeboy was, like, just looking for, for someone to go to the movies with. He just didn't want to be a loner at the movies, and I was the person he brought. Um, he got thrown a bone later. It's just, you know, it's it worked out. <laughs> I'll cut that one off two lines earlier. (laughs) So what's the problem with Westerns? For me? Yeah. They're just not my vibe. Like, I don't know. I I respect them. I appreciate them. But again, because I just have had, like, no earthly desire ever to, like, romanticize the Western world... Uh, and I have had, like, no interest in, like, imagining myself living in, in that world. Like, I just then, therefore, don't really find those stories that compelling. Like, objectively, maybe, but not, like, for me. Like, I will just choose anything else over Westerns. It's just, like, a, a genre that I just don't connect to. I think that, like, there are a lot of, like, really boring Westerns. I mean, it was, like, the premier genre for, like, 30 years so like there's a lot of crap you know but i think that's there's something really interesting about the genre where um because the wild west was essentially lawless like yeah you know there were sheriffs and there were marshals and stuff like that but you could get away with a lot right it's a really interesting like you know sandbox to play in when it comes to like good and evil, right and wrong. Like, you can have, like, really interesting morality tales because the boundaries of the law and, and and you know, what is right and what is wrong are really stretched in a place where there are, are no rules. Yeah, I think that that's really fair. And, like, it that is in itself very interesting. And, again, I can very much appreciate and respect that it uses it as this really interesting playground, but I, I just don't think, I think I've yet to see a Western that I just feel interested in. I, I don't really know what it is outside of just feeling kind of a lack of connection. I will say, um, 
one western it was it's not really a western because it's not a full-length movie but in the ballad of buster scruggs the very first vignette that's like wild west the whole thing's wild west oh i guess that's true well i'm not speaking on behalf of the whole movie i'm speaking specifically of the first vignette i thought that that was really effective and interesting that's the buster scruggs one right yeah that is the titular buster scruggs no i think that they're like i think that the 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 good ones are really, really good. Um, and, and to be fair, maybe I just haven't seen them because, yeah. like, I think – and and I actually have. I, like, I make this joke about, like, being seething watching The Magnificent Seven and that's just kind of a funny story. I have always wanted to revisit that movie because I know that it's very good and if the circumstances had been different, I think I would have appreciated it a lot more. Um, it was just – the circumstances weren't uh, giving me the opportunity to, to do that. You know, yeah, I think, you know, like I said, it was the premiere genre for a long time. It, it it had a good run. The Italians started making their westerns. The Spanish started making their westerns. And there got to be a point in the 70s where it was just kind of, you know, for a billion different reasons. We don't have the time to get into all this. Like, the genre just effectively died, right? It was just kind of over. It had run its course. People had some issues with it. The Italians were mucking it up, whatever, right? But then, like I said, in the 90s, it just like, bam, everybody wanted to make a Western again. I think a big part of that is like filmmakers grow up to want to make the things that they liked as a kid. Like we see that all the time with stuff now where like, oh, the Stranger Things guys grew up in the 80s. They want to make something about the 80s. And a lot of movies about the 80s, from the 80s, excuse me, are about the 50s. Because that's when those guys grew up, you know, like there's always this like looking back. And I think that like, you know, Sam Raimi and and uh, uh, whoever else I'm laying on some names right now, uh, like grew up with some Westerns, got to make some movies, got a little bit of money and we're like, fuck it, I'm going to make a Western. And um, yeah, it just had this kind of renaissance. And in fact, our plot synopsis today kind of mentions that a little bit little bit excuse me this is the video hounds golden movie retriever 2004 guide and in their uh, explanation of bad girls it says the latest in the current western craze turns the tables as women take their turns being the gunslingers four hooker chums hastily flee town after one kill you you have something to say I'm just like, damn. Just like, I mean, at least call them whores. Just <laughs> like, like four hooker chums. Uh, hastily flee town after one kills a nasty customer, only to find the bank where their cash was stashed was robbed by baddies. Wearing stylish studs and with each hair perfectly in place, the beauties managed to recover their loot. An exciting script leaves a lot to be desired, but a strong performance from Madeline Stowe makes this nearly worthwhile. Lots of offset drama with the original director Tamara Davis fired, and the actresses reportedly having a less than bonding experience. So, like, nobody liked making this movie, and as a result, the movie's just, like, kind of meh? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I feel like I, the vibes were there, but that's about it. Is kind of how I feel about it. Like, um, yeah, it is a Western on paper, and that's about it. Like, there isn't anything that makes it 
stand out in the genre. There isn't anything that makes it worth coming back to really or, you know, why you would choose to watch this one over other genre or uh, uh, other movies within the genre. Um, but it is like effective well, at exactly what it does. To be fair, there are not a ton of female led westerns. Yeah, of course. I, I of course recognize that. I just in general and when they are it's it's often because like you know they were abused in some way and they're getting their revenge or something yeah and so um i i liked it just fine i think like met is a good way to describe it like definitely not as bad as some of these movies we've watched recently but also um not as good as some of the movies that we've we've watched recently or at least have just enjoyed or or have seen some like um oh hey this is um you know, like, oh, this is bad objectively, but it's also, um, like, really fun or really zany or really quirky or really goes for it. Um, this is just kind of, like, mid-level and all that. Um, it's definitely, like, heavy on the objectification of women. Um, it is it, it is heavy on the sexism. It gives them the spotlight without actually, like... Respecting them in any way. <laughs> righting any wrongs. Yeah. Of... Of when the genre can sometimes be at its worst. Yeah. Um, and so I, I will say one thing that I I disagree with um, in terms of that the Hound's Guide. What is it? Um, the video guide that we just read the synopsis from. Um, I did see their hair disheveled a couple times. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I can I just say... I love the blonde on Drew. Like, I think that the blonde, the icy, cool blonde looks so good on her. Um, not a not a brown root in sight. I really, really love that look. Um, and I have to say, one, I think that Drew, for what, I mean, she's stunning, obviously, but Drew is glowing in this movie, particularly just, like, jaw-droppingly beautiful, even besides the blonde hair. Just something about her, like, coming into herself and maybe really exiting that awkward teen phase that we all kind of go through in terms of, like, maturation. But she is just, like, beautiful in this movie. Uh, just, like, literally glowing, sun-kissed, gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Um, I also enjoyed Drew in this. Like, I think that there were a lot of things where she had a lot of fun. Um, I don't want to be like, there was a scene where she was on a horse because there are like a zillion scenes where she's on a horse, but there is a particular scene where, um, two horses ride off with their carriage and she has to get on another horse and chase them down to retrieve it. And she is putting her all into that performance. She's getting really into it physically. Um, she's really getting into it vocally, giving these like really intense, deep, like yeehaws, like, like, you know, uh, um, getting the horse to go quicker and quicker. I mean, it's, she's very compelling in that scene, but then there are some other scenes where she's just kind of like sexy, like, yeehaw, like, you know, so it's like, eh, you know, can't want them all. Do you want to address the fact at all that she's, playing a prostitute and often uses you know like there's a scene where she tries to like um seduce a man you know and when they all bathe in the river she's the only one that's completely visibly nude um do i need to address it <laughs> i mean it's, it's it's getting a little old on this show but it's also like you know and yes we're getting into drew's gonna pose for playboy soon you know um but it's she's literally the only one. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're. I I don't want to like, like. It feels a little like 
All right, somebody's got to do it. And you've done it before. All right, Drew, you, you game? Yeah. That's... Who knows what the conversation was actually like, but, you know. No, I was going to say the same thing. I, I was going to say, like, it feels like, you know, once you go nude, you're, you're going to be asked to be nude again. You know, I think that that might be how it goes in some situations. Um, you know, I feel like you do kind of see, like, people who have never been nude – um, it's like a shock when they are, especially if they make it a far way in their career. Um, and then there are people who are like regularly nude. Um, I think that there are people who, and I'm not saying that this is right or wrong. I'm just saying there are people who are okay with it and there are people who are not. And there are people who decline roles if that is included. And so like, she just might be someone who's down to clown in that sense. Yeah. I can give like a very brief example. Yesterday on our website, futurepresentationvideo.com, I dropped a review of um, the new 4K restoration of National Lampoon's Vacation. There's a moment in the commentary where they talk about Beverly D'Angelo's nude scene in that movie, which is essentially unnecessary. And I mean, most are, but you know, you, you, you know, people have their own opinions on that, but it does not uh, propel the plot in any way. And, you know, she showed up to set and she apparently just like disrobed like 30 feet from the set. And they were like, you can wait till you get closer. You know, like you don't have to. And she said, uh, I did hair on Broadway for three years. This is nothing. Right. So she clearly didn't care and did it a ton in movies, especially in the 80s. Right. Um, you know, we're not here to get into did Drew care. Right. We uh, uh, that's not what this show is about. Uh, you can look into that on your own if you want to, but she's definitely doing it a lot. Yes, um, and like even before she was of like legal, uh, able to be nude on film age, she was teasing it. Uh, and I don't want to say she was teasing teasing it. They were teasing her body. Uh, directors were teasing her body consistently. And so, of course, as soon as she became eligible and able to be seen nude uh on film it was like pretty instantaneous that that happened i feel like um there's like a really interesting discourse happening right now uh on film twitter with um zendaya's new movie challengers in which there is a very spicy scene where she has a threesome um with two men and Sandea has never been in a role that has been overtly sexual before. And so in that sense, in the kind of Brooke Shields way, um, she's been seen as this kind of like Virgin Mary, you know, perfect little angel uh, and everybody loves her and thinks she's so beautiful. And like that plays into that for a lot of men. And now that this like trailer has come out and people see her in this like very hypersexualized light, um, which is like fine to do that for your art. Um, men have like totally turned on her and just been like, what a whore, how disgusting, whatever. Jesus and it's, Christ. yeah. And like the incels have come out. Um, uh, and that's just like so disgusting. And it, it reminded me a lot of the Drew conversation, a lot of the Brooke Shields conversation. It's like, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if you hide your body, well, then eventually when you even show a sliver of it, you're going to be hated on. Uh, and if you don't hide your body, then you're a whore to begin with. So it's just, it's really, um, unfortunate i have to say that like um i like i if the conversations around drew's body weren't constantly in tandem with her underageness i wouldn't care like i would not care that she shows her boobs like 
you know, whatever. Um, it's just the fact that she was being exploited from such a young age and there are questions of consent there. That's what makes it all very icky and weird. Um, but if you want to show your tits on film, show your tits on film. Like I, I have no problem with that as long as people are consenting in it, like do that. Um, you know, I, I, I do not care. There are some really beautiful moments where, um, like nude vulnerability, I think is essential for the plot. Not very often, but can be. Uh, definitely not. Not needed in this movie. Um, also because all four of them are bathing, but you don't see, um, you know, any R-rated uh, features of those people, right? Just true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I have to say, yeah, definitely getting uh, Drew exploitation fatigue. Um, yeah. Probably. You're right. Like, the genre sample thing's getting a little, like... You know, yeah, we had the horror movies. We had the lovers on the run. We still have another lovers on the run coming. We had the giallo. Like it's just goofy comedy last week, superhero movie last week. It's very yeah, genre. Like, I'm sure that like when we get into a genre desert and it's just rom com after rom com after rom com, we're gonna have our own complaints. But it it is definitely like fatiguing and jarring just to be on like polar ends of like this. But that's what's so interesting about chronicling one specific person and why we chose drew because she made a fucking western in the 90s you know yeah, like we, we chose drew um not because of our love for drew which there is a lot of but um we chose it because she has had such a, a varied career and and a lot of car- people's careers look like this you know like vince vaughn was was similar in another way of just like you know um when you are an actor and you want to work, you sign on to projects that aren't always going to be the thing that you want to work on. Um, it's not always going to be the thing that like burns your artist heart. Um, sometimes you just sign on to things because you need a paycheck and that can put you in wildly different genres back to back to back to back. And that's what's so interesting and why um, like artists are the vehicle for these conversations for us because uh, we could go through year by year um, but we would never find these deep cuts you know we would we would say oh westerns were westerns you know made a big splash in 1993 but we would never get to bad girls um so uh yeah i feel like um the fatigue is real but um you know uh we're chugging through yeah, I think that's a great point. Like, if we were we were doing, you know, eras, we we, we wouldn't watch Bad Girls, you know, um, we wouldn't watch Wayne's World two. But all of these conversations are part of our just like where, why does this movie exist? Why does this movie exist? And what we keep coming back to on this show, this movie also clearly just like had some behind the scenes issues, right? Director got fired a month into shooting. The budget ballooned. They bring in Jonathan Kaplan. Nobody really likes each other very much. Doesn't seem like on the set. Um, I had a quote somewhere. I wanna. Um, I don't want to lose it. Where Madeline Stowe later called it a terrible, terrible movie. There's really nothing I can say about the experience that is positive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can't argue with that. I mean, that's her experience. I wouldn't call. I mean, you can't argue with how she feels. I wouldn't call it a terrible, terrible movie. I, no, no, no. I, no, no. I, I it's just pretty regular movie. Like. Yeah. I don't have any issues with it. It's hyperlinear. It is get from A to B with minimal subplots. Get the vibes, get the costumes, get the gals, and then get out of there. Um, and that part is fun. 
Yeah, that part is fun. I agree. I mean, it's pretty cut and dry, but not even necessarily in like a dry way. It's just cut and dry in the sense that it is just like so regular and linear and like non-complicated. Um, it's just like it, it. The synopsis is just like exactly what it is. I don't know. Um, uh, it, there's not much to dive into with it. It's not trying to be complex, but I appreciate that. Like I appreciate films that just do what they do. I mean, when when um. Oh my god, what's his name? Is it Bruce Willis that was doing the direct-to-video thing for a while? No, it's... He's it's one of many. Well, he is one of many, but who... Uh, the guy, um... Who's Scottish, Gerard Butler? Gerard Butler. Like, when Gerard Butler makes a zillion direct-to-video action movies, um, you just go like, yeah, like, none of them are complicated, but I give all of them, like, three stars on Letterboxd because they're all, like, fun, tie-up-in-a-bow-at-the-end, entertaining thrilling enough and then and then i get out of there it scratches the itch yeah it's interesting to me that this movie has like such bad reviews we're going to talk about some of them in a minute um but like overall 2.6 on letterboxd um you know it's just like i feel like why and people can rate movies however they want and you know why are movies numbers blah 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 right but like why so low like what is bothering people so much like you're right it does seem very like it's a two and a half it's a three like yeah it it, it exists it does what it wants it's not particularly thrilling it's not really bad it's just a movie yeah which is fine not every movie has to be this like artists like haven of like ideas and creativity like sometimes people just want to like Sometimes directors just want to prove that they're capable of, like, managing a budget and managing actors and, like, putting something on film. Uh, and they just want to add that line to their resume. And sometimes actors just want to prove that they can, like, work on a set and get the job done so that they can move on to the thing that really lights their soul on fire. Like, everybody has very, um, has very, like, just mundane unexciting needs that need to be met in terms of early career filmmaking. Not saying that they were early career filmmakers, but like there are needs that need to be met at any stage of, of filmmaking. And sometimes that leads you to just make a film. That's just a film. You know, would this late eighties, early nineties Western conversation be better suited for young guns or tombstone or unforgiven or the quick and the dead? Yeah, probably would. Right. But we're not doing those things. We're doing the Drew Barrymore thon. I like the fact that this is like a female led Western. Like we said, that's, um, that's a pretty rare thing. Um, and that alone makes it different from all of those other movies from the ride with the devils and from the Geronimo's. Right. Um, it's, it's, listen, it's not nearly as offensive as these people thought it was, okay? There is a section on Wikipedia called Year Endless, and, uh, it does not appear on anybody's best of list, right? It is exclusively on Year Endless where people did not like this movie. And what is so funny to me about this list is none of these are major publications. The New York Times didn't give it a dishonorable mention the la times the washington post the chicago tribune the chicago sun times because they have better shit to do than to to shit on a movie that's just trying to do 
a basic thing. Well, they probably had best. They probably had bad movie list too. But I think you know, obviously, Siskel and Ebert did their show, and and they would have their worst movies of the year list every year. I'm right. saying, like, even if the New York Times did have a bad movie list, they're not going to waste a spot on a movie that's mid. Like, they're right. going to waste it on something that's atrocious. So, so I don't know. Just so I want you to hear these uh, publications, okay? Dan Craft of the Pantograph gave it a dishonorable mention. The Pantograph is the Bloomington, Illinois newspaper. Jesus Christ. Glenn Lovell of the San Jose Mercury News gave it a dishonorable mention. Jeff Simon of the Buffalo News called it one of the worst films of 1994. You ready for this one? You might like this one. Mike Mayo of the Roanoke Times put it as one of his 10 worst films of the year. Roanoke, of course, being Patrick's hometown. That's my hometown newspaper, baby. Um, do you want to tell your favorite joke um, about uh, the award? What was it? Like you win a trip to Roanoke? Oh, well, yeah. This was... was it Stephen King? Yeah. Okay, so... go say it. I know you get a kick out of it every time. I would not have at all thought about it if you hadn't brought it up, but I will tell it. Um, listen, Roanoke's a fine place. You know, it's I wouldn't... It's, it's the, it's the um, bad girls of... Uh, of the Western genre, Roanoke is the is the bad girls of Virginia. It's a nice town. It's a nice place to grow up in, and it's got it's got everything. It's a regular place, right? Um, and so back in like the seventies, on like the dating game, someone won a a they're, they're like the couple paired up, and their grand prize was a week at the hotel Roanoke, which is like the nice hotel in town. It's where like, you know, when presidents have come to town, that's where they stayed. Right. And it's like one week in beautiful Roanoke, Virginia. And this kind of made the rounds for a while. A couple of years ago, people thought it was funny that like, you know, going to Roanoke, Virginia on, uh, on a game shows, you know, dime. That's pretty funny. Stephen King shared it and, and retweeted it with, and, and the second place couple gets two weeks in beautiful Roanoke, Virginia. <laughs> That's a good joke. It is a good joke. Maybe he should write more of them. Yeah, maybe maybe he should write. Seems like yeah, a talented guy. Um, any other thoughts about bad girls? I wish that I did, but I just simply don't. Bad girls, bad girls. What you gonna do? My mom used to sing that to me all the time. Were you being a bad? Girl? Yeah, like I my my there were a couple like just like songs that my mom would sing to me. Uh, but yeah, my mom would would sing that to me if I was being like jokey bad. Like obviously, if I was genuinely in trouble, she wasn't gonna start singing bad girls. Um, she also used to um. Like, if I would, like, be hiding, I would, like, hide under tables, and she would be, like, fee fi fo fum and she would, like, pretend to be a giant. It doesn't matter, but, like, those were two, two in her repertoire. A lot of short episodes of this show recently, probably because we've been doing a lot of, like, yeah, canon movies exist, this is one of them. 90s westerns exist, this is one of them. Probably not one of the best ones, but not one of the worst. It's one of them. <laughs> um, next week, we are going to break out of this genre mold a little bit. We will go right back after next week. Uh, but next week, oh, I had it in front of me, and now I've lost it. Um, I, no, I, I don't, I don't want to get it wrong. I don't want to get it wrong. So next week's episode is a film called, drum roll please, Boys on the Side from 1995 with Whoopi Goldberg, Mary Louise Parker, Matthew McConaughey, and James Remar. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. What a cast. I know. And it's a drama. Interesting. I, I, I welcome this. It is a drama. It's a comedy drama from the guy who made Steel Magnolias and, and The Goodbye Girl. So, you know, next week, maybe just another movie, but at least not another, you know, high genre conversation. Mix it up a little bit. I welcome the mixing up. Um, and yeah, where, where can people find us, Patrick? Um, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, obviously you can rate us five stars, leave us a nice review. The place where we would love for you to be is our website. That's featurepresentationvideo.com. It is the home of everything that we do. This show, Why Two Kids, where we are watching nostalgic TV shows and movies from our childhood, the feature presentation podcast where we talk about different types of, of movies and TV shows, whatever's on our mind. We have a, a Tenet episode coming soon. Every review that we write, every column that we write, free stuff happens every day of the week at featurepresentationvideo.com. Head over there. You can put your email address in and we will send you everything that we do for free. You can find me at Letterboxd, uh, at Taylor Malone, and you can find me on Twitter at Mailer Talone. You can find me at Patrick J. Regal, everywhere you find people online. The show is at Barry Morathon on Twitter and Drew Barry Morathon at gmail.com. The best place to find us, though, is our website, FeturePresentationVideo.com. Next week, we have Boys on the Side from 1994. I'll see you then, and I'm kind of excited for it. All right, good, good. See you then, folks.